Our first sponsor for Does Not Compute this week is Hired. If you're looking for a new job in the design or development industry, Hired is definitely worth trying out. It's completely free and takes all the hassle out of finding your next job. They've got a bunch of amazing job opportunities from over 3,000 companies spread all across Europe and the United States. What's really cool about Hired, though, is that the companies actually reach out to you. After you've signed up for Hired and completed your profile, you'll get five or more job offers per week, all with salary and equity listed up front. You talk to the companies you're interested in, and once you've found a great match, Hired will give you a $1,000 thank you bonus for using them. So not only is it free and super easy, but you'll also get paid for finding a new job. That's pretty much a win-win-win. Now, let me put a cherry on top. That $1,000 thank you bonus? Hired will double it to $2,000 if you sign up at Hired.com slash does not compute. So go check out Hired today and get started finding your next job. We're also sponsored by Dev Bootcamp. Dev Bootcamp helps new software developers learn the tools they need to build their own web apps and get jobs in the software development industry. On the language side, they teach HTML, CSS, Ruby, JavaScript, Git, and SQL, all tools that Sean and I use extensively. They also focus on building out skills like pair programming, giving and receiving feedback, and test-driven development in order to help students prepare for working in the real world of the software development industry. It's a 19-week program with nine weeks of part-time remote work, nine weeks of full-time immersive learning at one of their campuses across the United States, and an optional final week of career prep. They've got a bunch more information on their website, including upcoming schedules, campus locations, and a lot more details about the program itself. If you've been thinking about getting started with software development, you should definitely take a look at Dev Bootcamp at devbootcamp.com slash does not compute. Twenty episodes, man, that's kinda weird. And it's weird because it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is it's twenty episodes. It's twenty presumably twenty weeks. I mean, the weird part to me is that it feels like it's been way longer than 20 weeks in some ways, but then I think about it, it's like, oh, wow, 20 weeks already. So the weird part is that my brain has no concept of how long 20 is, apparently. Yeah, it's, I feel the same way. I don't know. And then I see podcasts going up into the hundreds of episodes, and it seems like that's forever away. It's going to take a while to get there. That's a lot, but man, 100 episodes of a podcast it's only two years, which is actually not that long. Only two years. It's weird when you think about it that way. Can we talk about JavaScript for another two years? Think about that. Well, I mean, if, if new frameworks and libraries keep coming out, I'd imagine we could talk about it every week for the rest of our lives. I mean, I try. I try to stay up to date with the trends, the new cool things, but it's just a lot, a lot to keep up with. No, it is, and I guess that's kind of been one of my big problems with the JavaScript environment, as it were, over the last, I don't know, even going back as far as like four or five years now, it's been a long time where it's just been constant, constant change down to the core of the language in a way. Like, JavaScript in 2010 was written very differently than it was in 2012. And JavaScript in 2012 was written very differently than how it was written in 2014. 
and and so on and on like it it seems like it's constantly changing people always talk about javascript fatigue and i don't know if that's quite the right term because i wouldn't say that i'm I'm tired of JavaScript. I still love writing it. I love what I can do with it. I love the way that it introduces people to programming. I, I think in a lot of ways, JavaScript is still my favorite language or very close to it in many, many ways. But the culture, the JavaScript culture is very tiring. So in that sense, I think the term JavaScript fatigue actually does make a lot of sense. For me, it feels like keeping up with the Joneses fatigue. I have a big internal struggle and that is I always want to try out the new things. You know, whenever something comes out that I think it, that sounds really cool, I want to try it out. But then I also get into other personal things like uh, playing guitar, or practicing guitar a lot or surfing a lot or things like that. And for me, I, it's hard for me to have balance sometimes. So it's I'm all in on something for a while and then I'll, I'll get distracted and switch. But one thing that is kind of difficult for me, is, like I said, is, is balance and trying to learn new things for a while and also keeping up with my other interests at the same time. And I find it hard to do that. So from the outside in perspective, I see a lot of things in the JavaScript community that make me think the major players don't do anything but this. They don't do anything but program and think about this stuff. That's their only hobby. Where I know that's not the case, but that's how it makes me feel, and it makes me feel I need to be the same way to be as productive as they are. That's kind of a complicated topic, right? Because on the one hand, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being completely dedicated and obsessed in a way with something if you're actually really into it. But I think that the tendency for our industry to push people until they feel like they can't do anything else, even if they want to, is definitely dangerous and something that isn't really the way things should be. If I want to spend all of my free waking moments on JavaScript or on you know programming in general, that's fine, right? Because that's my choice and that's the thing that I have decided that I want to do. But if I feel like there's no way that I can possibly be a decent developer who makes a living doing this stuff unless I devote every waking moment to it, then that to me seems like there's something kind of wrong. And I think when people talk about JavaScript fatigue, that's what they're actually hinting at is that not so much I'm tired of new JavaScript frameworks and libraries, but... I'm tired of the implication that unless I'm constantly learning these new JavaScript frameworks and libraries, that I am somehow not employable anymore. And I, I personally don't think that's a sustainable situation. It's absolutely not a sustainable situation. But really what I think underscores that sentiment further is how intense recruiters are and and the way companies write about who they're looking for, they're always looking for quote-unquote rockstar developers that are at the top of their game. And that, I don't know, I've never really seen a company saying, I will look for a hardworking developer that can just get the job done. You know, No one's ever really going to say that, right? So I feel almost pushed, like you said, to feel like to really feel employable. I have to spend all of my waking hours 
studying these new ideas and these new ways of building apps. I want to emphasize that I don't think there's anything wrong if that is what you want to do as a person. Like if, if this is your passion, if this is the thing that you want to do, then absolutely go for it. I mean, that that is the category that I fit into personally. Like I am really, really passionate about this stuff. It is the thing that I am going to be doing probably for the rest of my life because I'm basically unemployable in any other industry. <laughs> but it shouldn't be that way for everyone. And that sounds so weird to say, even when I hear myself saying it, like all of development for so long has pushed towards we need the rock stars. We need the people who eat, sleep, breathe development. We need everyone to be like that. And I just don't think that's true. At least not anymore. Maybe it, maybe at one point it was, but now I think as an employer, you're probably, first of all, excluding yourself from a lot of very viable talent, hard workers who are excited about these things and, and will do great work. But secondly, you're also just paying way more because the kind of people who do fit into the mold that you're looking for are going to be the more expensive ones. Yeah, that is totally true. That is that is so true. There are so many developers that I know that fit into the second category. I mean, they're good at what they do. I'm not saying they're second-rate programmers by any means. I'm just saying that they have other interests that they enjoy pursuing, and they're the kind of person that needs time off every now and then to recharge. And that's exactly how I am. I enjoy programming. I love building web apps. I still get the same feeling you know, launching apps today than that I did years ago. But I do need that time to recharge. I do need that time to go surfing or play guitar or just go to a movie or something where I'm just not being productive for a little bit. And I can tell it weighs on me physically. I get tired. I get headaches. You know, I just, I physically get burnt out after a while. And I don't know. I just, sometimes I get tired of feeling like that is not okay because it is completely okay. And like Paul, you're saying, it, there's just there's just different types of people. You know, they're, they're the people that are all in, and that's perfectly okay. And there are people like me that as much as I can, I'm all in, but I need breaks sometimes, and that's perfectly okay. Right. You actually linked me to a really cool article um, on tuality.com. We'll have linked to this in show notes. The article is titled JavaScript Fatigue Fatigue, or it's like being tired of JavaScript fatigue. And I think that gets at a lot of what we're trying to say here. One of his main points is that if you're really into something, absolutely go in depth, learn every last corner, figure it all out, be excited about it. But if it's just part of your job that you're not necessarily really stoked on, then just make sure that you understand the terms and that you can have this wide knowledge and learn as you need it. On-demand learning is what he says in particular. And I think that's a great concept. I love this point so much because I wholeheartedly agree and go for depth in areas that you love. The The web just landscape of things you need to know is so massive now. I mean, you and I, you and I always used to talk about this, Paul, uh, when we were sitting around getting lunch. We were talking about how simple things used to be, and now it's such, such a broad field. And it's impossible, really, to be an expert in every area, right? It's kind of like the saying... Um, Jack of all trades, master of none. But I really love the idea of finding the areas that you are really interested in, things that really interest you, and using that interest to help fuel your your research. 
Right. And this comes back to something that I've talked about in the past. Personally, for me, when I want to learn something, it's an obsession. It's almost beyond me. It's almost not up to me anymore. I I just become so infatuated with the idea of knowing something, whatever that is, whether it's a JavaScript framework or a musical instrument or like I just need to make part of a video game and just to know that I can do it. It becomes an obsession for me. And that to me is the breath part. It's like I can jump into anything and say, okay, here's the goal that I have there and here's how I'm going to stretch myself as a person to learn it very, very quickly. Every single programming job that I've had has been a situation where I got the job and the day I started, I was doing things that I'd never thought I was ever going to be able to do. It was way beyond what I could do. But because I had that experience of stretching myself very quickly to learn new stuff, I was always able to pull it off somehow. And I think that I think that the on-demand learning, I love this phrase, on-demand learning, I think that that is such an important concept for anybody in this field because it is becoming totally impossible to learn everything. There's no way that you can learn all of the programming things. It's just not the case. It never really has been the case, but it's even, it's exponentially more stuff now, right? And if you if you try to learn everything, you're just going to be sad and angry with yourself all the time. But if you say, hey, look, I can't know everything, but I can learn new stuff real fast, then that's an asset in so many ways. And it doesn't matter how many new tools appear on the scene because you're just like, okay, if I need to learn that, I'll learn it. And I'll stay up to date. You know, I'll, I'll read the email newsletters. I'll listen to the podcasts spec.fm and I'll I'll stay up to date as much as I can but I'm not going to focus on learning every new thing that comes out every week cuz you can't no one can sure and I'm pretty sure where my feeling of I need to know everything comes from is when I was freelancing I was the only developer that only that ever worked on anything right so I was the one doing all of it so I felt like I needed to know everything and to be to be able to do things well. And now I'm entering more of a season where I'm programming with other people and I'm really learning what it means to be a team player. Like Paul, you were saying, go for depth in areas that I really enjoy and allow other people to do the same thing, you know? And then it's kind of like fitting puzzle pieces together. I guess my main takeaway from this would be that the best thing you can do for yourself as a developer is become really good at learning. Not become really good at Ruby, not become really good at JavaScript, not become really good at Swift. Don't become really good at any of those things. Become really good at deciding on something that you're stoked about, something that you are so excited to learn. And then just do that thing because you're excited about it. Not because you have to, not because you feel like you have to, but because you want to. That's the joy of programming. That's why I got into this is because this was something where I always felt I had the control to say, I want to learn X thing. And 
then I could sit down and learn it. I could Google it and be terrible at it and then <laughs> kind of make it work and then still be really terrible at it, but always improving, always improving a little bit because I wanted to. It was, it was a very empowering thing for me. And that translates to another point that he makes, which is do exploratory toy projects. Um, he says that he likes creating small projects that explore technologies or aspects of technologies. And that is such a good piece of advice because it is infinitely more stressful when you try out these new things. Maybe you, maybe you get interested in Webpack and you, you decide to use that in a upcoming project for a client. Suddenly, you have a deadline. Suddenly, you have to learn this new thing, but it is with a deadline. And that adds more stress and stress just makes everything compound, right? By doing these exploratory toy projects, it's less stressful. You can, you're free to enjoy it. There's not a timeline forcing you to finish anything in a certain time period. I think something that is very rarely said about side projects or toy projects, whatever you want to call them, I think something that gets left out a lot is you don't have to finish them. Like, you can start a toy project and you can spend an hour on it or you can spend a day on it or you can spend months on it. It's totally up to you because it's a toy project. If you want to release that thing, go for it. If you want to just mess around with something to see if you can make something work, go for it. It's fine. That's half the point is that you get to decide whether or not that's something you want to do. And I think that's really cool. Like, I don't even know how many halfway done side projects I have because a lot of them are just me saying, am I at the point where I can do this thing yet? And then when I realize, when I get far enough into the project to say, oh, yeah, okay, I totally could do this if I wanted to, then it, it I am no longer interested in it because I know I can do it. So it's the challenge that is interesting to me. But all those side projects, even though they weren't released, they still helped me grow. The ones you release, I think, help you grow the most. But even ones you don't release, like, don't don't worry about it. Just have fun with it and play with play with concepts you're interested in. Computers are a giant sandbox, and we can make anything we want. So use that to your advantage at every opportunity you get. I actually started another toy project where I'm pretty sure I'm not even going to finish it. I just did that this morning. Uh, and I've built this thing twice in Rails already. I just never released it. And I've been getting more and more interested into Node. So I figured, hey, why not try to make this thing in Node? Because I need to learn Node at some point and I have a plan for this in my mind, how it should work. So it's kind of a perfect use case for that sort of project. And maybe I will finish it and maybe I will actually launch it on Node. You know, like I said, I've built it twice in Rails, just trying different things out. But I think the idea that you ha you can make things without releasing them is is great. For me, there's less pressure there, right? I don't have to write code with the mindset that people will see this, people will use this. You know, I'm just enjoying, I'm brainstorming, I'm dreaming up features even, and then figuring out how to, how to make them as I go along. The reason that we have Apple computers today, or at least a big part of the reason, is because Steve Wozniak enjoyed making little hobby computers in his house. Like that was just a thing he had fun doing. And he he was never out to be a millionaire. That was never his goal. He just wanted to make some cool stuff because he really liked it. He was super into that idea. And I love I love the fact that Apple Computer 
the the most valuable or the second most valuable whatever they are now company in the world was kind of just the result of somebody playing around and saying hey this seems fun let's i i enjoy this uh let me give it a shot and see where it goes i'm sure there are untold numbers of products that we use every day that are a direct result of someone just having fun and experimenting with without thinking that it was ever going to become a thing, something that they might sell. But that's the cool part of web development, right? I mean, you can just make things. You can make apps whenever you want. You have an idea, you can build it. And I think that to me still is one of the the, the coolest things. I'm not gifted as an engineer, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, but I can write code. And for me, it I kind of get the same feeling as when I when I make physical things with my hand. All right, so Sean, you were really excited about something earlier, and uh, you wanted to tell me about it. What's that thing? Yeah, Paul, I wanted to tell you about Postman, but as it turns out, you've already used it. You beat me to it by I don't know how many months. <laughs> I thought I I thought I had told you about Postman. I feel really bad now because you were missing out for so long. Yeah, I I feel like I've seen applications similar to this in the past. Uh, but never really had a use for them at that point in time. But recently, like I mentioned earlier, I've been jumping into Node a little bit and I've been using Postman to mess around with the APIs that I'm creating. And if you're not familiar, Postman is an app that you can use to send data, send requests to your API and test your API. Right. More generally, Postman is just a tool that you can use to generate HTTP requests. So you can say, okay, send a GET request to google.com with this payload and these headers and all that stuff. And you can record those responses and the requests and replay them as you will. And it's pretty great. It is a really nice GUI. It's just a Chrome app. So as long as you have Chrome installed, you can install Postman and it's really easy to get running with. You can be making requests in like a minute. It's awesome. One of my favorite features of Postman is that once you've built out your request, you've said, okay, I want to send this authentication header. I want to shoot it to this URL using this request method with these headers, all that stuff. Once you've done that, you can actually copy that request out in a bunch of different formats. So one that I do a lot is copying it out as curl. So then I can send it to anybody, even people who don't have Postman, and they can replicate that request really easily. It's especially awesome for bug reports. I think one of my favorite features is the ability to write tests right in the app. Um, so for example, if you're building your API and you want to be testing it like you should, instead of setting up a separate suite with RSpec, which I mean, you probably will eventually, but if you're just trying to scaffold things quickly, you can write tests right in this application and have it run all the tests and see what tests are passing and failing. So you can write your spec pretty quickly without having to set up all of the spec helpers and, and everything like that. And you have tests that run, and so you can make changes and tests, make changes and tests, record those. I don't know, it made me way more productive really quickly. That's awesome. I actually hadn't messed with their uh, testing stuff at all. I'll have to take a peek at that. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it works really well. Um, another thing I used it for was testing out another services API that I needed to work with in a Rails app that I'm building. Uh, their documentation wasn't particularly great. So what I ended up doing was just spelunking with this thing and, and 
uh, Postman made it really easy to, to do that and then actually save all of those requests out. So I kind of had my own documentation going after a while. That's awesome. I think for me, the, the bottom line with Postman is that you should check it out because if you're doing any internet stuff ever, it's probably going to save your butt once or twice. Like, it is so good for so many different situations. It's very, very, I guess just versatile. Like, it fits into so many different things that the modern web developer needs to do. Whether that's testing an API, your own or someone else's, or it's just sending requests to a website to see if you can break it in different ways. Thanks again to our sponsors today. First up, we have Dev Bootcamp, a short-term immersive software development program. They help people who are new to development learn the skills they'll need to build their own web apps and get jobs in development. Dev Bootcamp's program is focused on building real-world skills that prepare students for working in their first software development job. Check out devbootcamp.com slash doesnotcompute to learn more and apply. We were also sponsored by Hired. You know Hired. They take the pain out of looking for a new job. Sign up. Companies send you interview requests with salary and equity listed. You talk to them if you're interested. And if it's a good fit and you get the job, Hired pays you a $1,000 thank you bonus for using them. If you like extra money, you can sign up at Hired.com slash DoesNotCompute in order to get a $2,000 thank you bonus instead. Thanks so much for listening to Sean and I talk to each other for 20 episodes. Hearing everyone's feedback has been super awesome, and we're really excited to continue making Does Not Compute. If you're a fan of the show, please consider giving us a rating in iTunes and telling your friends. Both are a huge, huge help, and we really appreciate it. It's not going to make it into the show. I wouldn't worry about it.